Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Toyota RAV4 launch special edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. So, Alan, the RAV4, this is this is the new RAV4. This is the new RAV4. Uh, this is the fifth new RAV4. Okay. Minus facelifts and stuff, but yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we don't count those here. It's fifth generation RAV4. I got taken on a little jolly with by Toyota. Mm-hmm. By say little jolly, I mean it involved getting up very early in the morning and then getting home very late at night. Boo-hoo. <clears throat> Via a five-star hotel, number yeah, of, quite. Uh, a number <laughs> of meals and, uh, and all the other stuff. Sympathy evaporating there from anyone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What is a RAV4 then? Toyota RAV4. A Toyota RAV4 is a DSUV segment vehicle uh here in the uk so it's bigger than a csuv and smaller than an esuv so are we talking about the same size as a crv from honda it's exactly the same size as a crv from honda okay give or take uh, cx5 yeah people will now know the sort of size we're talking about okay yeah, so a sort absolutely. of a typical family suv size it is yeah what we think of the it's the it's a slightly larger typical family SUV size. Mm-hmm. So uh Audi Q three BMW X three as well. Uh okay. If we want the fancier ones as opposed to the Hondas and the the whatever else. Ford Cougar fits exactly into this, as does the Volkswagen uh Turan no not Turan. Tiguan. Tiguan, thank you. I don't know, they all run together the same thing. Right. Okay. As I said, this is the fifth generation of the RAV4. The original car was launched in 1994. Oh, I feel old now. I, I, I know, remember tell them. Me about it. Because we've had, well, my parents have had one of each of the last four, at least one of each of the last four. <laughs> car launched originally in 1994 as a three door, if you remember rightly. Uh, and then the five door was added afterwards. Mm-hmm. So originally it was quite a niche vehicle. But as of June last year, that's 2018, it had sold over 8.5 million worldwide. That's quite a lot. It is quite a lot. Even I can work that out. (laughs) Well, listen to the next round of numbers then. In 2017, it was the world's best-selling SUV. The world's? The world's best-selling SUV. And the fourth best-selling model globally overall with 810,953 being built and sold in a single year. So, looking at those last couple of figures that you've just told us, mm-hmm. it's not really that important to, to Toyota, no, this one. No, not really. No. Not really, not at all. No, wow, not at all. crikey. Fourth globally of all vehicles. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it's, 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 I was quite... Surprised when I saw that that one in the press pack there. I mean, that's not of all vehicles. So that's that's not including commercial vehicles like sorry, the, yeah, uh, yeah, like the F Ford F one fifty, which was built in vast quantities. Um, I, I believe it. It's of passenger vehicles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so let, let's uh, let's just qualify that slightly. Shall we start off with a quick intro to it? Not just from us, yeah, uh, but from Andrew Cullis, the director of communications at Toyota GB. So uh, apologies, there's a bit of sibilance in the background. We were recording in a church. So so anyway, here's a little bit of my chat with Andrew. New generation RAV4 is really all about three key things. Firstly is the new style of the vehicle. So we've uh, tried to make the new RAV4 look uh, much more SUV-like. Uh, previous RAV4 was very popular, but uh, in terms of its style, it was much more like a, a kind of a, an estate car, which was uh, which was jacked up. So we wanted to give it a real SUV presence. Yeah, this one's way way chunkier than, than yeah, absolutely. Than what we're used to. Yeah, and uh, the, the designers use all sorts of polygons in their in their design language to uh, really get that sense of uh, a wider but lower vehicle at the same time with better uh, ground clearance too. Uh, the other two key features are it's built on a completely new platform. Uh, which means that we're able to do a couple of things with it. Firstly, it helps us design the car uh, in a better way, um, making it wider, lower, uh, and it's also shorter than the previous generation car, which is unusual in the marketplace. It is. It's one of the things I noticed. It's both lower and shorter. And when you say wider, it's only 10 mil, isn't it? That's right, yes. But because of the way the platform uh, enables us to free up more interior space, although it's only 10 millimetres wider, you actually have about 40 millimetres in the back seat of additional width. So 
in terms of passenger comfort, it's it's much better. In addition, the car also uh, has more ground clearance. It's got 190 millimetres of ground clearance now, uh, which is more than enough for going up the odd uh, dirty trail. Well, I haven't tried that yet. I'm trying that after we've finished with this, is, is the off-roading, so... Uh... So, yeah, I'm off to try that. Hopefully, I'll only be testing that and not the, the underbody cladding. Yeah, uh, well, we hope so too. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that would turn it into a bad day, yeah. I think. <laughs> That new platform is key. Uh, so, we, so CHR was the first uh, vehicle with uh, the TNG platform. This is the first one with the uh, the new TNGA uh, K platform, which is the larger version of it, which will also go into uh, the new Camry, which comes later this year as well, which also shares the the, the two and a half litre hybrid powertrain. Okay, I, I didn't realise. I didn't realise they were different. There were different sub bits of the the, the new platform. But the other thing that was being mentioned in the, in the presentation earlier is the new generation of the Toyota Safety Sense. Yeah. There's 10 million cars out with the first generation. That's that right? correct, yeah. I have been reading my press releases correctly. Yeah. So, but this is new Safety Sense 2. That's right. So what are the kind of key differences and what could people expect from that? Well, the key differences are, firstly, it's got a, a different high-definition camera, which helps in terms of things like uh, road traffic uh, camera, um, sorry, uh, road traffic uh, sign recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will recognise more types of uh, speed sign. Uh, but in addition, there are three key new elements to uh, TSS2. Uh, the first one is full-speed adaptive cruise control. So that works uh, between naught and about 180 kilometres per hour. Uh, in my mind, I can't actually convert that at the moment, but um, into miles per hour. It's, but it's plenty quick enough for the UK, I think, is I, really the translation. I think you're there. right. Um, but uh, So uh, what it enables you to do is uh, it will track the car in front, it will keep a safe distance from the car in front, and if that car in front breaks, the system will also break for you. If the car in front comes down to a complete standstill, the car will uh, break down to a standstill, for example, in a traffic jam, and also as the car in front moves away, it will accelerate away uh, at a safe distance again from the car in front so that's a really useful safety feature and especially in traffic jams it can reduce um, uh, tiredness as well because you're not having to do all the stop start yourself Um, the one thing that we'd have to say is this isn't autonomous driving Um, it does give you uh, some of the benefits of that but you are still completely in control of the vehicle Uh, The other thing that we have is something called lane uh, trace assist. Uh, So as uh, the car reads the road ahead and as you come into a curve, it can also help you steer around that curve. Uh, And it also will lock onto the the lines on the road. If those lines on the road aren't particularly good, it then locks onto the the edges of the road. And it can also follow the car in front as well. So even if there are no lines, it can still assist you. Again, it's an assistance system. It's not meant as autonomous driving. The other two key features are really around pedestrians. Um, So we now have nighttime uh, uh, pedestrian detection. And we also have daytime cyclist detection as well. So if if a cyclist uh, comes out in front of you quickly during the day the car will break uh, for you if you don't see it in time which is important in london indeed having, having driven in london recently it, it's important in london raf how important is it to toyota because we've seen lots of new vehicles coming through and, and it's been kind of quiet about raf for a while it's much bigger than than many suvs that we that we see selling yeah. certainly in the uk does it still I know there's a new generation. You're obviously going to say yes, but does it still have relevance? It, it does. I mean, if you if you look at you know SUVs are are getting ever more popular on our car. And forty percent of the cars that are sold today are, are SUVs in some form. And the smaller SUVs are very popular. But uh, in terms of a family buyer who who might have uh, a couple of teenage children, um, have dogs and so on, to, and lots of luggage and so on to fit in the back, it's a perfect size for people. So it still continues to sell. And in fact, that part of the segment is very stable and has been for some time. So we call it a mature market, if you like. Mm-hmm. So um, there's probably not going to be huge numbers of new entrants in, but those of us who are there will renew the vehicles because it's actually a very good market for us. One thing we haven't mentioned so far is, is hybrid because yeah. in the UK, uh, we're only going to be able to buy this new RAV as a hybrid, aren't we? That's right, yeah. Uh, two and four-wheel drive, and there's quite a clever thing about the four-wheel drive. But, sorry. I shouldn't call it four-wheel drive. I should describe it as all-wheel drive. Indeed. Before, you know, you listeners <laughs> tell me off. But it's quite clever because there's no front rear prop shaft, is, is there, at all? That's right. So it, there's, there's no mechanical connection in effect. So we have a separate motor at the rear, uh, a new 
small, lightweight, powerful motor at the rear, which actually uh, is, uh, has not as much torque as a standard conventional system, so it puts uh, enough power to the back wheels to ensure stability in not only uh, icy conditions or even in heavy rain, but certainly on um, you know, general tracks and so on that you might take the car on. So, so there is no me- mechanical connection. The benefit of that is it, it makes the car much more efficient. So fuel economy and CO2 emissions are about the same as the two-wheel drive car um, because we don't have the penalty of actually a mechanical connection. Yeah, there's, there's no drag in there. That's right, yeah. Drag, yeah. And as if by magic, we return five minutes later. As you might have guessed by listening to that, it was meant to be a bit longer. I'm going to put in a quick uh, caveat and apology here. It was so bitterly cold as we stood watching each other's breath <laughs> that the batteries... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's go to let's go to Catalonia in, in January. It'll be lovely. Well, it was. It was also bitterly cold. You do realise in the first seven or eight minutes of this episode, you have reached peak motoring journalist, complaining about what you've been taken away somewhere in a five-star hotel because know, the really, weather the was only, a little bit chilly and you had to suffer know, a couple of hours on a reason, plane. <laughs> the only reason I'm complaining about being a little bit chilly was that it went from many bars on my voice recorder to none in in under 10 minutes. So um, my, my apologies. That was that was intended to be much longer. But I think it's really important to just hear it from from someone other than us uh, about the importance and a little bit about uh, about a couple of topics that we're gonna we're gonna cover again later: the safety sense and also the the drivetrain uh, in there. Anyway, the range has uh, four levels. There, it, it starts at twenty eight thousand six hundred and thirty five pounds. Uh, with the Icon model, which is only available on two-wheel drive. Uh, And then you go via design and then up to a sort of luxury sport split. We've seen this with with things with ranges from uh, Toyota and and Lexus before. So on one side, uh, we have the XL, uh, which in all-wheel drive format is £35,530. And in Dynamic, which is the sporty one with the different colored roof from the rest of the body, it is £36,640. All the models are really well specced where it matters, but we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, as we go on. Before you go any further, did they hmm. have any indication of what, of the, which of the range they expected to be better selling? Yes, they did, Andrew. However, those notes are not turned. <laughs> they did. So actually, uh, they expect Icon to be the smallest seller. If I remember correctly, it was something like ten to fifteen percent of the okay. ten to fifteen percent. About fifty percent is going to be they intend expect to be the to be the design range. That's the next one up. Okay, yeah. And then XL and uh, Dynamic to split what's remaining, and I can't remember what's remaining, so I'm not going to embarrass myself with mental arithmetic, which doesn't add up to a hundred percent. Okay, do. No, thank you for that. That's all right. I was paying attention. I just, I just didn't actually think you'd ask that question, which we prove every single time that you <laughs> always ask the numbers which are not directly to hand. Color tax on the seven colors available that aren't white and urban khaki. Uh, white, by the way, is just called white. There's also pearlescent white, but white, white is just called white. Mm. I don't know. Yes, you would think they would call it sort of, I don't know, benefit in kind white. Or company car white. Um, <laughs> metallic paint is £545, uh, but standard on the dynamic. Pearlescent is £795 and £250, unsurprisingly, on the dynamic. Okay. CO2, because that's important these days. Yep. It varies across the range. It's kind of kind of a weird one here. So CO2 for the Icon which is the only one that you get two-wheel drive and 17-inch wheels, is 102 grams per kilometer. Mm-hmm. For the two-wheel drive on 18-inch wheels, it's 105. Okay. So thank you, WLTP. Yes, we quite. Now this. we have to go through this. <laughs> but what's curious is that the all-wheel drive on 18-inch wheels is less. It's, 100 and, it's 103. Is that because it's a hybrid? It is because every single one that we will get in this country will be a hybrid. Okay. I'm only talking about hybrids. I only drive the hybrids. There will be a two-litre non-hybridized version available in other 
uh, in other European territories, but not in the UK. There's a couple of other things I'll talk about which are non-UK, probably at the moment, given the feedback that was being given. Okay, so what does that translate VED-wise for those who are paying attention? £135 across the range. Okay. It's not possible to spec it to over £40,000 from the factory. Hence, um, jealousy tax never comes in. Because you get, depending on the uh, spec you pick, you get a set amount of extras with that. Yes. That's the way uh, Toyota and Lexus like to do it. There is a there is a weird setup about what you can get in one of the packs, which I'll talk about later. Okay. Okay, Doug. So, uh, as this is a new one, is this just like a effectively a refresh, or have they gone back and are they following a new design language? Well, there's a, there's a bunch of those, as as everybody heard Andrew talk about earlier on. But there's the the, the key thing here is 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 all about no more boring cars uh from from Akio Toyoda. Now I mentioned that at the start of my my um hundred and fifty second review uh on that. It is it's based on a brand new platform called the GAK or GAK if you speak Klingon. Uh the GA comes from the it's also called uh, TNGA as well. Um, but at some point, they're going to have to drop the Toyota new bit at the front. So it's the Global Architecture K platform. Uh, as you heard in the interview, the first Global Architecture vehicle that was put out was the uh, CHR. Okay. The whole Global Architecture thing is part of Toyota's plan to go from tens of different platforms right at the moment for their, their passenger vehicles down to fewer than 10. I think it's about five or seven. I can't remember exactly uh, in there. This this is the first vehicle out in the new K platform, and the forthcoming Camry uh, is based on the same one, as, as you heard. The idea of the global architecture means that, that basically they're not starting absolutely every vehicle from complete scratch. Mm-hmm. So someone can go along and say, right, look, I need these rough dimensions and they'll be able to essentially that will configure a platform from them for them uh, a loads of bits which are tried and tested working together and then they can spend the month and then you know they can they can do a little bit of bespoke tuning but not the world of bespoke tuning the idea is that the money saved can then be spent on better quality interiors cooler styling all the good stuff on the outside okay um, very often we see vehicles that are platform shared and, and basically they all look the same as a result of that. Toyota's plan is to not do that. And also not to be sharing across too many brands, although I'm sure, you know, Toyota and Lexus, there will be some crossover uh, yeah, in yeah. there as well. But that, that makes sense from a fight, from a, you know, just from a complexity as well as a financial point of view. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. plug plug and play type almost, you know, we'll, we have an extra section in here for a longer one. We remove that section for a shorter wheelbase vehicle, that sort of idea. But it, but it means stuff like the track, for example, is, is, is wider on this the, the, than, than the Mark IV, because that's how wide that platform is. You know, you don't change the width of your platforms. That's just crazy expensive, but changing lengths is quite easy. Yeah. There's certain hard points. As Andrew Kell said earlier on, uh, the idea of this is that the styling is far more SUV uh, than MPV. So they've tried to move away from from that sort of almost monospace look that the the Mark IV had or has had, where it was all a bit sort of blendy in together. And really the styling on this harks back to the Mark II and Mark III, so the slightly angrier, slightly pointier uh, generations mm. run sort of jacked up jacked up jacked up estate car try saying that after a beer like the, the like the mark IV, and they've really gone to town on that they've really tried to make it chunkier um, they've gone heavy on the hexagons as it says in my notes here okay the actual car itself is pretty much the same size so it's a little lower it's a little shorter um, it's a little wider and when i say a little i mean I mean, within sort of 10 to 15 millimeters in any of those dimensions. Um, but it is a, it is a smidgen shorter. Uh, 
because well, that's interesting because looking in the pictures of the few the few pictures I have seen, it gives the impression of being a bit longer. It does. I would have said it was bigger, mm-hmm. but it isn't. It's actually a smidge shorter. But the reason it looks like that is because the wheelbase is longer. Oh, okay. So wheelbase is longer, it's a bit wider. Um, it means that the overhangs are much shorter and it just makes it look more grr as well. There you go. That's that's the kind of stuff you don't read in Nautica. No. As well as freeing up interior space. Okay. So that means it doesn't have to be as sort of blobby at the front. It, it can have a very clear bonnet and windscreen, so two box shape to it. Yeah. Uh, in there. And the CD is 0.32. So it's really not bad. Okay. Despite despite that sort of squareness and that sort of slightly sort of angry grrr front uh, on it. Uh, just to follow up from the interview, by the way, I didn't test the underbody cladding. I Good. no need. Yeah. <laughs> Might have been an interesting conversation on the way back. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, no. You may no, have dreamt no of economy flight <laughs> at that point. Whilst in yes. the hold. <laughs> In yes, walking, walking, walking back from Barcelona. <laughs> that always goes down well. So, should we move to the inside? Let's give that a go. And as is the way that we normally do, we'll actually start from the back of the car. Okay. Uh, so, the boot is massive. There you go. Technical term. Uh, it's over a meter deep at floor level. It's about a meter wide, and it's a smidgen over a, we- a meter tall as well. Okay. So. Uh, a washing machine will fit without any problem. Right. In fact, you could almost fit a pallet in there, and that's with the, the um, and that's with the back seats up. Uh, it could almost be a two watermelon car, mate. Wow, that is impressive. Then, now it, it, this isn't a seven seat SUV, is it? It isn't. It isn't. Uh, and I, I, I never. It was one of the things I wanted to ask Andrew before the the timing cut out, but I just don't think it's possible. And the reason I don't think it's possible, and please understand this is my opinion and not not verbatim from Toyota, is because uh, because of the packaging of the battery pack and the um, the battery pack and the fuel tank. Okay. So the battery pack actually, rather than being under the boot floor, is actually under the back seats. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. And the fuel tank is so it's under the back seat but above the rear axle, and the fuel tank is ahead of that. So the fuel tank is actually ahead of the rear axle. All oh, right. Uh, but still under the back seat. Okay. So I don't think you could do seven seats because as a result of that kind of hard point, that solid bulk, then I, I think I don't I think access would be just too hard. Yeah. All right. There's plenty of length, I just don't think it was the access. Mm. Um plus if you want advan- seven seats you they have a vehicle in the range. Well, exactly. We'll the, the idea of this is, of course, to fit between the Land Cruiser and the CHR. Yeah. Oh, one of the things about that packaging, though, is that you, there is room for a spare wheel. Remember, if you're selling this vehicle all around the world, then you have to be able to accommodate a spare wheel for, you know, Africa and Asia, um, at, at least. <laughs> and our potholes. And our potholes. To be, so to be fair, models- because it, it, the state of the roads now, how many people are complaining of broken alloys? So a bit of... Plugging goop will not don't, fix that. No, no, no. Don't tell, tell me about tell me about alloy wheels, Andrew. You've you've heard the language and seen the and seen the seen the sign being flung. Um, <laughs> so, uh, following going back to where I was, uh, so all the models get a spare wheel. Okay. Uh, as standard, if you've got an icon, it's steel. The rest of them, it's alloy. Who cares, really, as long as you've got a spare wheel. Uh, but. That's unless you spec the panoramic roof. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. That was the face I made as well. So if you spec the panoramic roof, you also get the JBL multi-woofter stereo. Uh, but the subwoofer is off to the side, not underneath. So what you get is underboot storage. Now, I believe it is something to do with weight. It's not WLTP. It's something to do with weights. And certification. That's the best answer I got. Because the glass is heavier, so therefore... No idea. I think it's to do with it still having the same payload. So I think the glass makes up for the weight of the spare wheel or something. So... Let's not read too much into that. Factual. No, 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 I know that. Factual. But what I'm saying is, 
if you if you need or feel you need the spare wheel, don't spec the panoramic. Yeah. Is, is, it's very is clear factual that's the case. Response yeah. to that. The factual part is if you need a spare wheel. To, now, because it's weight-related, people did ask if you could then go buy the spare wheel because there should be nothing else in that space other than the storage, which you should be able to pull out. The answer was, we don't really know yet. We, we'll give it a shot when we get them, but we don't really know yet. All right. Now, there were... It's definitely not because the JBL stuff blocks up underneath because there were ones there in non-UK spec which had the JBL stereo but a solid roof uh, and a spare wheel. Right, okay. All very confusing. <sighs> so rest of the boot space, uh, no curry hooks, I'm afraid, what? sir. No curry hooks. No curry hooks. What there is is a base which is dual-sided. It's carpety on one side and rubbery stuff on the other uh, so you can turn it over and, and put your dirty stuff in there. Shocked, I am shocked. Move on. <laughs> Toyota's not good at curry hooks. Mm. I don't know why. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, uh, rear seats. Uh, I've mentioned all the gubbins under the rear seats uh, already. They don't slide anymore. So the Mark IV ones slide. The Mark III ones slid as well. Mark II ones, I can't remember, but the Mark... One one's just folded. But the backrests are adjustable. Uh, to fold, though, to fold the seats, you just kind of flop the backrest forward. Um, but that gives us uh, a smooth, if slightly on the on a slope. Was there, uh, was there a reason why they don't slide? Because uh, I imagine it's because of... of all the junk underneath them. Okay. Right, that would make sense. Because I was going to say that a lot of the competition does have that. Yeah. This one, to be honest, it's not as if you need to slide it. Well, the boot's so big, you don't really need to slide it forward to make the boot that much bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so much rear legroom, to be honest, you don't need to slide it back either. Yeah. Okay. So it's big enough it's, that it's, it's not an issue. It's all right as it is. Shouldn't need any adjusting. No. Okay. Um, in other Andrew-related whinge um, <laughs> points... Oh, that's so harsh. It's not whinge. These no, are points of interest. So the window line, you'll notice from the images, is almost completely flat. I noticed that from very the, happily. In fact, from the windscreen, it descends by about a centimetre and a half, two centimetres. actually curves down. And then it's pretty much flat until it's after the back doors. There is loads of glass in there. It's not a vehicle. So whilst ev- so you shouldn't need to worry about the panoramic then because that's that's a really important one with and I'm not trying to be a pain here or you know just get on my hobby horse. But the panoramic roofs, if anybody's listened to previous reviews we've done, where the rear windows have not been as large as I would perhaps hope the panoramic roof has made a massive difference to the interior mm-hmm. feeling. He has talked about it for hours and hours and hours. But they've solved that problem. So you, so By actually having back windows, they have solved that problem. Yes. yes. Uh, every model in the range gets uh, privacy glass in the rear as well. Okay. Which is relatively dark, but it's still a, quite a bright place to be. So it's, it's generally a black interior with a solid roof uh, and privacy glass. But... It's actually quite light. Okay. I definitely think there's more light in the back of it than there is in the back of the Mark IV. All right. Okay. Okay. Rear passengers as well. This is the other. This is the other family-friendly one. Two USB ports and air vents in the back of the center console bit armrest. D center console bit. Excellent. That helps. Yes. Yes. I know these are all the things that you like. Well, yes, because then the earache is much less. <laughs> uh, and it's an almost flat floor in the back as well. Oh, I didn't that's add good. it to the notes. That's good. Yeah, so it's almost flat floor. Uh, the rear seat is also forty mil wider now than it was than it was in the previous generation. Ah, okay. So that's almost three full seats then. It's it's almost three full seats. Yeah. So it's definitely two and three quarters at least. Mm-hmm. Cool. Possibly out to two and four fifths. I'd go. Okay, cool. Um, but there was there was quite a lot of space back there. Did you sit behind yourself? I could easily sit behind myself. <laughs> It was it was genuinely tested because it always makes me laugh when I do it because I'm such a big kid. <laughs> Loads of space in the back. Up front, plenty of space, plenty of adjustment, but the idea is that it feels a bit more snug than maybe some other 
some other vehicles in the class. Okay. So they're trying to stop it feeling like you're driving a bus. Right. Okay. Uh, so it's not a sort of up. It's not a sort of dining chair sort of experience. So it's the centre console higher up and... Well, the hip point is quite low compared to where your feet are. The centre console is quite big, uh, but it is is full of cubby holes. So most, uh, or or some of the models, I can't remember what the split is, have a wireless chargey pad Mm -hmm. down at the front. Uh, There's other... Uh, there's cup holders, there's a big uh, center console with another two USB ports in. Uh, there's a USB port and an aux port at the front. There's quite a big glove box. And there's a sort of little shelfy thing, which was had a sort of non-slip uh, finish in the bottom, kind of dimpled non-slip finish in the front, in the bottom of it, which which meant that even if you had your, you were on wiggly Catalonian roads and you had a phone sitting in there, it wasn't skating back and forth. Big pockets in the doors and everything as well. Okay. So it's it's been designed and thought through for people putting stuff down because people will put stuff down. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Gauges up front are kind of analog, digital, hybrid. Uh, one of them is your speedo. The other one is kind of your charge setup. It's not a, not a rev counter. And then it's a bit in the middle, which kind of joins them together but also shows all sorts of dynamic funkiness from the TSS and from the sat-nav and from many other things that really you'd have to have it for a week to have a proper explore okay. of all the different settings in there. It's quite nicely done. There's an 8-point-something-inch touchscreen uh, that pokes out the top of the dash. So it's quite high up then. Sorry, I'm cutting you off again, but so it's quite high up as you're sitting. Yeah. So you're, you're, what I'm trying to, the question I'm trying to ask is you're not looking down away from the road very far. No, you're not looking down away from the road very far. That's the least of your issues with that. The <laughs> it's a Toyota sat-nav. Okay. Still not fixed that then. Well, I understood They're it. They're quirks. I understood it. Yeah, so there's an 8-point-something-inch touchscreen uh, which kind of pokes out the top of the dash, sort of mini iPad-y style, although not quite so dissociated. And it has... Uh, and it controls the DAB radio uh, and all sorts of funkiness like that, and some of the vehicle controls as well. The, that is there on all the models for the UK, but the Icon model doesn't get the nav either. Uh, so it's only the Touch 2. 20, what was it again? 20-odd how many thousands? And it doesn't get sat nav. Uh, 26, yeah. That's... Nobody looks at the list price though. Everybody looks at the monthly, Andrew. Yeah, that's still a bit poor. I think well, that's sorry. Room for honest, improvement. It's a for room for improvement. No, it's a bit of a blessing. I'll run through some of the specs in a bit. Yeah, uh, all the other models come with the 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 Go Toyota Go system. So it's Touch Two and Go uh, on, on those uh, control ventilation knobs. They have a really nice kind of rubbery. It's proper rubber. It's not just a spray-on finish. It's a separate part on the outside, and it's like a little tire. Oh, right. And it, it's got these, these little grooves in it, and that's for the, the ventilation knobs and for the sort of volume and tuning knobs for the, the the entertainment system as well. It's a really nice little touch. Mm-hmm. It just looks really good. It's really nicely done, and it feels really good too. Cool. Easy to work with gloves on as well, I'm sure. Uh, down the centre console, there is an auto styly gear selector as well, and a drive mode selector. Okay, then. Which neatly brings us to what it's like to drive. Mm-hmm. As I said before, drivetrain is a, uh, if I didn't say it before I meant to, uh, <laughs> is a two and a half litre four-cylinder petrol hybrid i had some trouble with the notes on this one in that i wrote many notes and then they disappeared so drivetrain two and a half liter four-cylinder petrol hybrid the petrol motor runs on the atkinson cycle so uh that helps it be super efficient at exactly the right within a certain rev range as a result that comes out it's coupled to one or two electric motors uh, via well it's coupled to one motor via a cvt uh, it can also be coupled to a second motor Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on whether you have front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. It's fourth-generation Toyota Hybrid. 
And so it's closely related to the Prius. Uh, so if you want to know more about that, then you can listen to the monster, the monster Toyota hybrid three hour extravaganza, <laughs> which I recorded last year. Um, it wasn't quite you, that long. It felt like it was originally. <laughs> <laughs> Only about half of it didn't get on. It didn't. That, made it that wasn't a cold from. church, so your batteries lasted longer. <laughs> um so so yeah if you listen back to that and listen to what what uh richard uh was saying about the prius drivetrain then it's essentially the same it's a little bit better than that um the cvt is a cvt and it's allowed to behave like a cvt there's no fake Uh, gear changes no well there are fake gears but only if you use the paddle shifters but if you uh, just under, leave it alone it just if you just leave it, it alone just a it constant progression it's just a constant progression yes yeah so it, it just does cvt things now to, to say they've worked really really hard to try and reduce a that sort of wind up spring bit in the cvt mm-hmm. and we've talked about that many times over the last couple of years and they've succeeded there by the way i didn't notice a that sort of hesitation when moving off. But of course, the electric motors and the hybrid side do sort of help fill in that buffer uh, as well. The other thing they said they've tried to lessen is some of that engine mooing <laughs> noise that you get with CVTs. It's all the technical terms today. Grr, no, no, and <laughs> People who've driven CVTs know what I mean. Yeah, so whilst they've been successful with the former, then the latter... Now, this could be down to the down to the route that we took because uh, and the, the layout of the day because we left uh, central Barcelona in the morning in a two-wheel drive and climbed way up into the mountains. So it was mostly uphill. Okay. And then, of course, afterwards we did the, four-wheel, the off-roady course and the four-wheel drive and then came back down to sea level again. And the two-wheel drive certainly seemed to struggle a bit uh, going uphill. It, it sort of it, it, it moved a lot. Really, it was not a very pleasant noise, and it, going uphill, trying to accelerate on motorways, it just didn't seem as happy. Whereas the four-wheel drive, you didn't get that as much. Okay. So whilst there's only a notionally on paper a four a four brake horsepower difference between the two of them, uh, only a couple of torques as well between the two of them, then the uh-huh. the difference in driving dynamics because I think the four-wheel drive uses that rear. Uh, uses the motor that, that feeds the rear. So there's no actual physical connection between the motor and the rear axle. Well, there's no sort of rotating physical connection. It is, it is, uh, it, it's purely run from yeah. a, an electric motor, which is somewhere where the, just about where you would expect a rear diff to be. So um, because okay. it can right. chip in as well, and I think it just helped, it just lessened some of that, some of that noise. And it smoothed out the whole thing. It meant the engine wasn't didn't seem to be working as hard. Smoothed out the whole thing. Yeah, not having because it's there. It, the engine isn't having to make up all the gaps. Something or to like try that. and play a bit of catch um, up. I'm not sure if that's like the real that. reason, okay, or if okay, it was yeah. just as I say because we did more uphill at the start of the day and then more downhill later when the engine wasn't having to work quite as hard. As a result of that, I would choose the all-wheel drive over the two-wheel drive, but your mileage may differ. I would also choose the okay. all-wheel drive because I like choosing the all-wheel drive. It just seemed to it just seemed to steer better because the all-wheel drive then it can use that rear motor stroke diff to sort out understeer and stuff by by where it where it pushes it 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 can adjust which wheels are getting the torque to lessen understeer and oversteer and all these kind of things. And I just thought it drove better basically because it can just be that bit smarter. Okay. The whole okay. range is available with, with front-wheel drive. So even if you buy a dynamic spec, you can have dynamic with front-wheel drive only. As I say, all-wheel drive is only available okay. from design spec, so not on the icon uh, in there. Both powertrains okay. come with four modes, uh, normal, sport, eco, and EV modes. It's pretty sensible what those are. Uh, I just drove in eco or normal. Okay. I couldn't be bothered with the others. Do you know how far 
Or what's the range for EV only? Uh, not off the top of my head. Uh, I don't imagine it's hugely far because it's not mentioned in big letters in the um, in the press pack. And I'm also presuming that there's the there's uh, levels of regen possible, or is there just one level of regen? Uh, it's controlled by the brake pedal, so there's no extra fancy poncy buttons for it. So, you, so you don't get to switch switch between modes. You just you just no. regen, or you're not regening. You just regen, or you don't regen. Yeah. Okay. Right. That makes sense. I, I guess you could probably use the paddles on the on the the paddles on the uh, the flappy paddles to to try and you know to pretend you're in a lower gear and therefore force more regen back through the battery if when you're going downhill. But but I never bothered. Yeah, right, no worries. Super smooth, by the way, between EV and petrol. You just didn't really notice it kicking in. Okay, good. Not unless you were doing something very, very silly. Which, of course, you didn't because it was a launch day. <laughs> well, that's, that's, well, exactly, yes. Not this time. Uh, so all-wheel drive, you also get trail mix. What, what you get a, a packet of nuts? And yeah, fruit, nuts and raisins come out yes, of the dog box. Exactly, that's special, exactly special dispenser. Do you have uh, to get, did that get replenished in every ten thousand mile service? Is that what um, it is? I think it's? Uh, I, I think it's self self charging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get shot. No mind. They can't not call. They, they can't not expect something like that when it's called trail mix. Come on, it's not called trail mix. It is called trail mode, by the way. Just in case you kept on with that one, um, that means up to seventy cent. Up to seventy percent of torque can go to the rear axle, though. So it's okay. worth mentioning that it's it's pretty hefty. Uh, the other thing that it can do as well, which is not a given for hybrids, is that it is it is actually rated for towing. Just give me Ooh. a second whilst I tell you what the weights are. They're probably not huge. Uh, unbraked to 750 kilos, and the all-wheel drive is 1,650 kilos towing capacity, 800 front-wheel drive. So if you are caravanning, they definitely go for the all-wheel drive. But that should be that, – that's, that's pretty a, that's decent. That's a decent trailer and bikes and stuff like that if your family – It can essentially tow – so you can have an all-wheel drive one, which can tow a front-wheel drive one. Uh, just quickly, because I made a mistake in the 150, curb weight is actually up to 1.7 tons if you have a fully specced all-wheel drive. Uh, I said it was 2.2 tons in the video. It's 2.2 tons is the gross vehicle weight. Sorry. I know. I shall. You've not only let yourself down. I know, I know, I know. Nobody else has. Well, somebody commented that it seemed awfully lardy. And it was only when I did that and then realized that was that was two GRMNs that drank everyone. That uh, You're kidding. They're unconscious. We've been talking about Toyotas this long. Sorry. <laughs> make sure it's a weak beer. Um, I have water. This seems to be working quite well. So, so yes, there's that. Uh, ride, by the way, I realize I've not talked about the dynamics at all. It was, just, it was, it was so unobtrusively competent in that sort of area that you just didn't really notice the roads we tried it on. Some of them were really were, were like sort of almost UKB road bad. Oh, okay. It was just you know you're not going to be setting um, ring records, but neither does it neither does it roll like a drunken pig. It's it. <laughs> Sounds so dumb. It just steers around corners quite happily. The ride was particularly good, even on the weather. The only we only drive tried cars on the eighteen-inch wheels, uh, and that just wasn't an issue at all. So it was. It sounds like it was quite neutral, as in it, it, it did the job you expected to do, how you expected it to do it. Yeah, and that was you know it. That, it's it's a large-ish SUV. What are you What are you expecting? I know that's normally what we say about Hyundai, and we we really do mean it as a compliment. It just got on with it, yeah. Uh, on sort of actually some quite difficult surfaces, which in my own cars would have me going. Then you know it was just we were sort of straight across without really really noticing uh, too badly, too mm. much. So what about tech wise? Well, tech there's quite a lot. Uh, you know, aside from the aside from the drivetrain, which mm-hmm. is super clever. And you press some buttons, and it kind of does stuff, and you move along. 
Sometimes it makes absolutely no noise as you move along. Sometimes it makes a bit of noise if you move along. And and that's kind of it. It just kind of moves you whilst getting 40-odd to the gallon, I believe. Okay. So Toyota Safety Sense 2, this has been mentioned already, and Andrew gave us a quick preview of it. What he could, he could only tell us about the functionality of it. So pre-collision uh, assist, intelligent adaptive cruise control, sign recognition, lane trace assist, nighttime pedestrian detection, and daytime cyclist protection. And as you heard, he was very keen to point out that this was not... This was not self-driving. It was not autonomous. This is assistance for human drivers. So this is all wrapped up in Toyota's, um, the language that Toyota uses and their take on this safety tech, which is Guardian. I don't think it's Guardian yet. It's I, not. It's not that step yet. It's like the step before. It's not Guardian. the step to Guardian. It's it, yeah. It's, it's not step Guardian. Before it's Guardian, step before. but it's still using those principles of they are there to help out, not yes. replace. That's exactly it. That's exactly the story. Okay. Um, and and we gave it a shot, as you do, because you have to, uh, and because it's fun. And I've got to say, it was really pretty impressive. Uh, you try some of these. Uh, some of these systems, and they're all a bit jerky. And this is systems which have cost money in vehicles that cost significantly more than the RAV. So um, so uh, the lane following, uh, lane trace assist, pardon me, where it actually steers you uh, through a lane and follows a lane, mm. is particularly smooth. And even going from normal road to roadworks with narrowed lanes, uh, with sometimes missing markings, mm. uh, and then you know post road works going back up to back up to speed because you're still set at the the speed limit it was really smooth and really nice and it sort of would follow in behind vehicles without jarring the brakes on. It would accelerate without sort of mooing or doing anything silly and shifting down multiple shifting down multiple gears uh, and you know, when it was, it didn't get phased by the change of line lane marking style. Okay. Unlike, you know, BMW, for example, systems mm. I used recently, it just which which would have a, a fit and try and pitch you towards the side of the road. So just so you didn't don't you like. weren't being you didn't uh, experience any false positives and things like that. Then no, it was very good. Okay, good. the only time it, it sort of did a whole oh I don't like this much is if you kept your is if you kept your hands off the steering wheel for about 20 seconds. Good. I'd mm -hmm. like to hear that. <laughs> yes. It didn't disengage. It just went, whoa, I'm going to disengage. I'm going to disengage. I'm going to disengage. Until until Graham puts hands back on the wheel again. <laughs> uh, but with me, because I tend to keep quite a light touch on these things, it did sort of go, whoa, put your hands on the wheel. It was like, they're, they're on the wheel. But I often have that problem with these systems because I tend to just hold very lightly on them. You have such a soft touch, Alan. That's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> the sat-nav, just briefly on the tech, it is a Toyota sat-nav system. You do have to learn how to use the Toyota sat-nav system. Once you've learned it, it's okay. Mm. I became an official sat-nav translator, and um, it was a bit like normal work, really. What she's really saying is we need to turn right here. No, no right here, just, just back there. Type guidance, uh, yeah, and and some other groups got a little bit miffed by that. Is that slightly due lost for an upgrade? One would Do have thought know? so. I was expecting it to be better than this. Hmm. The quality of the screen wasn't great in the cars we tried. I actually felt it was worse than the one in my Yaris. Oh, okay, That's just the quality and the clarity of the maps. I think I don't know if it was our car. I don't know if there's a bunch of settings which I've set. It, it wasn't zooming in and out, so it might well have been user error, okay? Okay. So it, it was just a bit tricky. There was one last really cool piece of tech, which we're mm -hmm. not getting, at least not at the minute, in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, because we're not getting it, I couldn't find it in our flaming press packs earlier when I was looking for the correct term. But essentially, the rear view mirror has a screen in it and it doesn't just it doesn't show the reversing camera it shows from a second camera uh, which is mounted up at the top of the rear windscreen uh, right but behind where the wiper goes uh, and it shows a screen as the rear as the rear view mirror 
it sounds really weird and it is for the first five minutes and then you go wow this is really good okay it's very strange as a passenger because you can sit in the passenger seat and see in the rear view mirror It'd be brilliant for driving schools uh, but it also lets you do other things like you can actually change the tilt on it uh, and the right. so you can look further down behind the car or you can see you can adjust where you want it to I need to, to get look. right up against that wall please <laughs> yeah well it's not so much that you've got the reversing camera for that as well mm. uh, it purely has that it, this camera purely has that function for going to the to, to the rear view mirror the real aim of it is that if you've got three people in the back quite often the head of the middle person if they're more than a tiddler blocks the view out the rear mm. Quite often, people who take a lot of stuff on holiday and fill their cars to the gunnels mm-hmm. can't then see out the rearview mirror. Well, you always can with this. Okay. That's the idea of it. And it's also, the the camera is behind where the wiper passes. So, of course, it gets cleaned when you squirty the back wiper. Okay. Just like a real one. And it works really, really well. So we're not getting that here because uh, cost benefit seemed to be the response, but uh, but lots of people were saying we thought that was really good. We were really skeptical, but we gave it a play. You can always just turn it off by just flicking mm-hmm. the switch and just turn it to a normal mirror. Uh, but but we weren't. Everybody was saying we weren't that convinced about it to begin with. We thought, I wonder what this is going to be like. But knowing we could always just turn it off again, we gave it a shot and decided actually we really, really like it. So it depends this... how much it costs, but it's it's good. And the idea is it's another safety feature because, of course, you can see behind even when you've got people and stuff in the back of the car. This sounds like another piece of tech that, whilst not essential, is right up our alley for making your life easier without being too overcomplicated. Yeah, basically, yeah. It becomes invisible. Cool. Even by the end of a day, it was becoming invisible. I started out, because I was in traffic, so I drove out of Barcelona at the start, because I'm a masochist. Um, then I didn't like it because it didn't feel that stuff was where I wanted it to be. And then we discovered you could zoom in and zoom out, and you could make it how you wanted. Mm-hmm. And then later in the day when I tried again... Uh, including in in traffic and then, you know, doing a couple of laps of Barcelona Airport, as you do, Uh, then then I decided I really liked it. Okay, cool. So it's not an instant win. You don't go, well, that's the most amazing thing in the world ever. But you try it and you go, hmm, and you try it a bit later on. You go, actually, I really quite like that. Sounds quite intriguing anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth a try. Well, hopefully... Toyota GB make a strong enough case for it then mm-hmm. in the refresh or whatever or some update. I think to be honest, I think they'll introduce a special edition or a super top spec. You'll notice haven't they used the word invincible in any of the specs yet? No. And there are gaps between things, so maybe maybe that will will make an appearance there. Okay, well, okay then. So you spend a day trying out the various models and configurations on various terrains on various roads Hmm. up and downhill and things like that so what's your verdict overall well we really only tried uh we really only tried the equivalent of excel and dynamic uh so the top trim levels okay yeah well yes Um, you're motoring journalists of course yes so exactly (laughs) so one was only and one was two-wheel drive dynamic and all-wheel drive sort of excel style uh, level. Uh, that said, I sat with the configurator, uh, which is there, and what I feel is the pick of the range. The one that I, what I would have is a design all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. So that comes with. Uh, let me pick up the magic book here to remind myself. Uh, so that comes with all-wheel drive, obviously. It's always going to be an automatic. I can't find the button I'm looking for here. Um, it's always going to be automatic. It comes with cloth seats. It comes with uh, sat-nav. Uh, and it comes with the 
every model comes with rear parking sensors and a rear view camera. Yep. Uh, tinty windows. The design comes with front parking sensors as well. Uh, and yeah, all the kind of stuff you'd want without... I noticed that the higher specs, you start to add, you start to add leather to it. You know, the next specs up add leather, and then they add heated seats, and then they add a heated steering wheel, and it all just seems a little bit too much mm. uh, in there. And I don't really like the two tone of the dynamic and stuff. So personally, I would have a design all wheel drive in urban khaki, which <clears throat> for which there is no color tax, uh, with black wheels. Oh, sadly, that's a bold move, sir. Well, yes, I think so. Well, the thing is, I've always liked the FJ Cruiser, and you could always get it in that kind of sand color with black steel wheels. To be honest, if I could get with black steel wheels, I would. I just think that that's the best spec balance. You're not at the bottom. It doesn't have all the bling further up. As I said, that's meant to account for about 50% of UK sales. So that's £33,430 to start with, £625 for the alloys, I would go for the £550 protection pack because it has mud flaps, rubber mats, and a rubber boot protector. Mm-hmm. And a protector for the back bumper as well, uh, which brings it at £34,605, um, which is quite a lot of money, <laughs> really. Um, there is a deal 24-month, uh, 0% financy job on as part of the launch uh, first cars are two wheel drives front wheel drives coming in april all wheel drives starting to hit your deals in may uh pre-register um they're doing they're taking orders now okay. basically overall i don't know i actually think i preferred it to the mazda cx5 and i don't mean a mazda cx5 in the wrong spec i drove at the mazda day before christmas yeah um what i mean is uh, a cx5 in the right spec so auto yeah, yeah. whatever yeah, yeah. else i uh, probably sporting over with auto i think i preferred the rav it's very different the mazda had that slight sporty edge i really feel that the the rav is better not pretending to be sporty and just being good at being an suv type thing but and, and this is not meant as uh, any insult or anything, but a, a bit more utilitarian in... I don't think that's the right word, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I, I it's d- not pretending to be a car that happens to be raised up. No, absolutely. And I was explicitly I think, that's, I think that's what I'm trying to say rather than... It, it, it's uti- not a sh- utilitarian it's not, is not right, but... It's not ashamed of not being a car. Yeah if you know what I mean, which is fine because it's more transparent and more honest uh, there. So I, I mean, as I say, my parents are on their fifth RAV4, so we've got a bit of experience of them, uh, and I obviously have a certain amount of bias towards it probably as a result of that. Um, but you but have I, a lot of experience of them as well. Is is this the best RAV4 that you've been in? Ooh, do you know what? It's better than so. It's better than so. My mom has a very early invincible of the Mark IV uh, diesel mm-hmm. four wheel drive, uh, and it's all right. The best one was the Mark III pre facelift T one eighty, the hundred and eighty brake horsepower diesel, which mom sold without telling me. Otherwise, I would have bought it. I probably preferred the T one eighty, but that's just me. I actually think that this is a better car, and you don't have is to worry it, about the run flat tires of the T one hundred and eighty, which we just don't don't talk about them. Is is it a big enough step forward from the fourth gen? It's a huge step forward from the fourth gen. Totally okay. different vehicle from the fourth gen. Pretend the fourth gen didn't exist. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, that's it's, it's essentially as if it skipped a gen generation. There was a fourth gen, which is fine. You know, it's perfectly good. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, introduced hybrid uh, into the range, all these kind of things. Uh, lots of good stuff. Sold many of them, uh, but the you didn't lust this... after one though, did you? Not really. No. But but this is kind of cool. The fourth gen was always a bit there, 
but and it was totally outclassed by CX five and stuff. Mm-hmm. Totally outclassed the, the quality of the interior and stuff. This uh, leapfrogs. They have okay. learnt from huge, errors. Yeah, huge step, huge huge step. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, so all that remains is for me to well it's not all that remains because i've still got to end off in the usual manner but all that remains is for me to thank the team at toyota gb and also graham roberts of just auto who the poor sod had to suffer me all day i'm really sorry graham because he really, wasn't really quick, sorry. he wasn't quick enough at finding someone else to drive with and now he knows exactly what bits of you poking around were actually down to you checking for me and not everything where you've probably said, well, Andrew always oh, no, checks I this. Was, I was blaming you at the time. <laughs> I know, that's what I mean. So he's now going to know the reality of what, mm. what your foibles are compared to mine. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Uh, and, and then we had a sort of, one of us confessed that actually we quite like pressing every single button. And that was great because then that freed up for both of us to just prod all the buttons and see what was happening. See what they all did, which was great. Good. Anyhow, that's been awfully long this time, gosh. But don't forget that between now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the herb of all our activities. Uh, please don't forget to leave a rating review on iTunes, uh, not iTunes anymore, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you will find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know about the trials and tribulations of a poor, poor motoring journalist as he has to fight the good fight of economy class and the occasionally cold church or landscape, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Welcome to get in touch with me via Twitter. I'm at AJP Bradley, and I've also just turned down a trip to Mallorca uh, via <laughs> via charter jet. <laughs> so please, it's a very painful topic at the minute because I'll be standing in a darkened room delivering training. So until next time, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.